Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Let's stand for the reading of the word this morning. This is the authoritative word of God spoken specifically to you and I this morning from God himself. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn for her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him that lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Now whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you're wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten is in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. And it's the word of God written to you and I this morning. You can be seated. Well, we come to final week in this portion of Proverbs uh, and this year, and uh, the title of the series, Wisdom Calling, and and uh, that's what we've seen, the, the wisdom, this lady wisdom calling and, and calling and calling. But what we just saw was, you know, she's not the only one calling. Lady Folly's calling also. She's warning the lady wisdom. She's warning us about the woman folly. And the woman folly, as, the, as lady wisdom is, is, is calling out, you ever been in a, in a conversation with somebody when, when, you're, when you're trying to, you kind of start combating one another in, in volume? and like the other person gets a little louder because they want you to hear what you're hearing and then you get a little louder because you want them to hear. It's this kind of situation. Lady Folly is so loud. And Lady Wisdom is saying, don't listen to her. We come face to face from Proverbs 1 all the way through Proverbs 9, all the way through God's Word really, but specifically we come face to face with a choice. We have a choice this morning. It has not been complicated, but it's a choice that trips us up all the time. The, the choice is, will you listen to Lady Wisdom or will you listen to the woman folly? Some, some decisions in life are truly complicated. Know that, Th this one is, is just not. It's not complicated. Um, the way one chooses truly does have life and death as the ramifications. Now I was thinking, this past week, for those of you who have seen this movie, which I, I would imagine most of you have seen it because it's old, but the last decent Indiana Jones movie, which was The Last Crusade, right? This, uh, and, and maybe for some of you, that's not even a good one. But, but for me, that was kind of a, 
a highlight one, certainly better than the last one. But if, if you've seen it, you recall that, that Indy is pursuing the Holy Grail, right? The cup that Christ drank with, supposedly, uh, at the Last Supper. And so he goes through all these hurdles, these obstacles, to get finally to the room um, in, in, in Petra, I think, in Jordan somewhere. And so he's in this, this back room, and he comes across a crusader. And the crusader is an old guy. He can hardly hold up his sword. And, and he says to Indy, you have to choose the Holy Grail, one, one grail, the one true grail, the one true cup out of all of these cups. And you might remember all the cups on the shelves. There are a hundred of them maybe or something. There's a bunch of them. And he had to choose the one. And what was at stake? What was at stake was, frankly, immortal life. So immortal life, if you drank, if you chose wisely, you chose the one cup, you would get immortality. If you chose any of the other ones, death. There, there, was, there, was, no, there was no partial way. Of course, you know, like Indiana Jones movies do, they show one guy die, and it was just an, an unfortunate thing to watch because it was filmed in 1980-something. But anyway, so it was just, a, it was just that, that kind of reality of choosing Choosing life or death. There was not an in-between. There, uh, there wasn't like a you can't choose. He couldn't go back. He had to choose one or, the, one or the other. And the choice was pivotal. Now, we do ourselves this morning have truly a life and death choice before us. It's, it's a choice, again, that we face moment by moment, day after day. The choice to listen to Lady Wisdom or the choice to listen to Lady Folly. There is no middle ground. There is not, you, do, you, you don't do either. It's one or the other. Every single one of us, every single moment of every single day, it's a choice that we have before us. Will you choose wisely, as the crusader would say, or will you chose, choose poorly? You may even think that this choice just, like, is not really as big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. It's, it's almost in your heart that's, it's like you're disregarding or maybe even mocking what you, this, this whole thing about following Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly is, is, a, is a joke, something to be trifled with, and, and I'm just pleading with you, it is not anything to be trifled with because it really truly is a matter of life or death to you. Now, it seems like an easy choice. Who, who would not want to live wisely? It only takes uh, one to look around our world to see if there is an overwhelming amount of foolishness going on, and certainly there is. We, we have many people who are choosing poorly all around us, but we don't have to go outside. All we have to do is look in the mirror in the morning to recognize if we're evaluating our own lives with any sort of honesty, there's evidence enough in ourselves that we choose to often live foolishly, to listen to woman folly and some of the ways that we make choices and the way we live and the way we interact with other people. So this is, this is not about something you chose wisely one time and then you're good to go. This is, the, this is a, a constant refrain of choosing, choosing to listen to Lady Wisdom, choosing to listen to Lady Wisdom. Now why do, why do we go down the road of Lady Folly when, when Lady Wisdom is so amazing? And we'll see that in this morning again. How, how might we live more wisely? This is what we come to. 
in the final sermon in the Proverbs series this summer. We've seen way back at the beginning of the sermon series that those two characters, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, are calling for us. They've, they've been vying for our attention. So, so here's what I'd like to do today, because they're calling for our attention again this morning. I want to consider the choice. And so these are not well-crafted questions, well-crafted main points of the sermon, but just simply this. The first question is this, will you choose poorly by listening to Lady Folly, or will you choose wisely by listening to Lady Wisdom? And then we'll put a couple of final thoughts on this final sermon in this section before we get into the fall. First, and, and let me say one other thing. In, in Bible college or in, in seminary, I had one professor that said he'd, he'd come in with this very, very difficult philosophical question or maybe, maybe theological question, and he would say, he would say, you have to make a choice. You cannot, you cannot not answer. You have to make a choice, and you have 30 seconds. And these, are, this, this was like, these were very, very difficult questions, very tough questions that had lots of nuances, but he would just force us to make a choice. We had to make a choice based on what we knew. And that's, that's what's happening this morning. God's Word is being spoken to you from, from here, from, from His Word. His Bible, the Bible is being spoken to you, and you are being asked a very serious question. Will you listen to Lady Wisdom and going to follow her, or will you listen to Lady Folly and follow her? And there's ramifications, there's joys on one hand and ramif bad ramifications on the other, depending on how you answer. So, first point, will you choose poorly by listening to Lady Folly? And yes, it's a, it, the, the point is already made in the question. It's a poor choice with, with significant negative ramifications. But, this, but, but nevertheless, it's a question, you know? Uh, will you choose poorly by listening to Lady Folly? Verse 13, the, the woman Folly is loud. Man, she's loud. She's seductive and she knows nothing, it says. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest place of the town. She calls to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. They're just trying to, they're just trying to live, trying, just, just trying to walk. And she says, hey, whoever's simple, let them turn in here. And then she identifies the one who lacks sense, and she says, hey, fellow, stolen water is sweet, and it's sweet, and I've got some, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, so come on in. And Solomon states it clearly, Lady Folly is, is loud. Um, she talks over others. She's louder than others. She's yelling, and so she's hard to ignore. If I were to just be up here and you were trying to have a conversation and I was just up here yelling and talking like this all the time, I'd be so, and maybe that's what I do when I preach, I don't know, but, but, but like if I did it like that much more so just to really bother you and try to get you to do it, it would be irritating. You'd want to walk away from that. This is, this is Lady Folly, just so loud. One, one commentator says she's loud-mouthed, empty-headed, and brazen-faced. She demands to be heard. She, she wants to be noticed. She'll do anything to get our attention. And she's all talk. She's loud and sure of herself. She's, she's evidently pretty persuasive. So it says she's seductive. You know, she's, so she's alluring. There's something about her that's alluring. Even though she doesn't know anything, even though her house doesn't really say anything about her house, but I kind of envision this kind of rotten house lean-to behind her that she's calling and say, come on in here, boys. 
everything will be fine, seducing those who pass by by her loud words that just sound good to the ears and to our desires, though she is absolutely ignorant and she knows nothing and she promises the world but, but has nothing to offer. She promises the world but carries through on none of her promises whatsoever and only provides emptiness and only provides any variety of deaths of the soul, of, of, the, of the person, of a, of, a, of a mind, of a heart, and ultimately leading down the road to eternal death itself should someone continue down that road. Solomon says that she just sits at the door of her house and she doesn't move towards anyone. She's just lazy. She just sits there and she's, she knows she's enticing. Not hard to en- it's not hard to entice fools. It's not hard to entice just people who, who just want what they want and they, they're willing to do whatever to get what they want. So she's just saying, come on in, come on in, I got stolen water and it's all, it's all cool. Well, consider um, for a moment, I, I had in my head a story of Snow White this week that tells of you know, a kind of person who is, you know, happy and um, in an awkward relationship with 12 young men and stuff. But, but anyway, she's walking down the road and she's, she's happy and she's whistling and it's all, it's all good. She, she hears the voice of an old woman on the path, right, who has warts on her nose. She's just like a, a she's called the old hag. And um, she holds a shiny apple that leads to a very precarious situation. Ends up, you know, she takes it, she eats it, only to come find that behind all of it was the wicked queen who was trying to destroy the person. This is like Lady Folly, just a small little picture of Lady Folly, but the Lady Folly is not necessarily an old hag. She, she is somehow, again, very seductive, sitting at the door for a nondescript house and yet seeming to also have a seat at the high places, so the high place of the city and being able to, to shout and to be heard all over the place. She has some sort of clout, some sort of authority uh, in that town. People see her, look, they know where to go, they, they, and so she's calling to any who pass by. People are just trying to go straight on her way. Strive to, striving to maybe live life wisely and well, but Lady Folly calls out loudly to them and invites them to join her for a feast. She's loud, she's lazy, shouting as she sits there, not providing anything of substance to the passers-by, not rich food, not drink, not real drink, and not knowledge. All is empty, all is stolen, all things are done in secret. She's like the lady we spoke of a few weeks ago whom Solomon warned his sons about, the evil woman who lures the simple man into her house that leads to death, the, the, uh, the adulterous woman. She's the lady that seduces uh, us to follow our hearts into all sorts of nonsense. James, James, and not just nonsense, but, but death-inducing things. We think they'll be life, but they're death. James speaks of the seducing of Lady Folly this way. He says in James 1, verses 14 and 15, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So, see, Lady Folly is not shouting anything that we don't want. He's enticed by his own desire, and then desire, when it's conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when it's fully grown, it brings forth what? Death. It's just a, a terrible road. This, this is Lady Folly calling out loudly to the simple 
those who lack sense, promising life, and as they follow the siren call of Lady Folly into sexual immorality and impurity and sensuality and idolatry and sorcery and enmity and strife and jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, Galatians, rather than life, they find that the apple that once looked so good to them is deadly poisonous and death is the outcome. And so verse 18 of our chapter says, but he, that is the simple one who lacks understanding, does not know that the dead are there. Um, that is in Lady Folly's house and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So Lady Folly, the one in Proverbs who is best known for her adulterous ways, promises much but delivers the worst life imaginable. It is certainly a feast, she says, of stolen water and bread eaten in secret, both, both allusions to illicit sexuality. Um, think about porn. Think about entertainment that's sexual in nature. Um, maybe just a scene or two, but nevertheless, it's a, or sensuality that leads you to, to really think about, about sexuality and, and to, to maybe lead you down the road towards soft porn or, or hard porn or any other sexual activity outside of the bond of marriage, inside the bond of a healthy marriage. That, 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 that was something I preached on three weeks ago. And so if you haven't heard that, I encourage you to go back and read that. But see, this is the bread eaten in secret, sexual immorality. This is the stolen water of sexual immorality. This is this lady. These are things that are tempting. It may serve to satisfy some immediate craving that we have, this, this earnest desire, a, a lustful hunger. I got to have that thing. I got to have that person. I got to have that situation. I have to have that experience. And I will do whatever. Do you hear Lady Folly? Calling, calling, saying, come on in. Come on in and eat. And there's only death there. Death of a soul, death of a, a heart, death of a marriage. All these things provide some sort of satisfaction. But they will not feed that which our soul is hungering for. It will only serve to emaciate us. We're eating, but it's causing us to die from inside and emaciate us until there is no life in us whatsoever. Even to the point where we have walked in some sort of sexual immorality for the weak in some way or other kind of sins, and we come looking to, looking to experience the presence of the Lord when we have walked in foolishness all week, but thank God for the truth of the songs we sang. Now, why this fear and unbelief has not the Father put to grief his spotless Son for us? And we'll get to that in a moment. But the reality is people live in this folly, this listening to Lady Folly. Now, look, the choice just seems so poor, doesn't it? I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's so crazy, so poor, so negative, so brutal, so destructive, all of that thing, you would just think, you would think, no, but who, who, who's going who's gonna to go that way? Just, just an absolute numbskull is going to go that way. Different times in my life. How about you? 
It's not somebody out there. I mean, certainly, yes, somebody out there. What, what, about, what about you? Will you choose poorly by listening to Lady Folly? Second question is, will you choose wisely by listening to Lady Wisdom? Lady Wisdom appears in the beginning of Proverbs 9. She has a beautiful home that has seven pillars. It's a house that's perfectly founded. It's, it has no flaws. There's no uh, loud-mouthed nature about her. It's entirely safe, and it's not run down in the least. It's, it, it, consider the seven qualities that the, the may or may not be the similar, they're same as these seven pillars. James speaks of this in James 3.17. He says, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. This seven-pillared house is beautiful. This seven-pillared house is safe. This seven-pillared house is secure. This seven-pillared house is life-protecting, and, and it is life-giving. And what is it we see in her house but the fact that she too has prepared a feast? It's, it's not a meal of stolen water. It's not, a, it's not a meal of stale bread whatsoever or bread eaten in secret in some way. But it's, it's a meal that is like loaded with beast, meat, and wine, and, and bread. A table set ready to provide life, real sustenance for someone, nourishment in them, contentment and fulfillment for any who come her way. Lady Wisdom, of course, wants to be heard, but just like Lady Folly, but rather than being loud and lazy, she sends out her young women to call from the high places. It's a very personal call. It's like, it's like she, she is at the high place also crying out, but she has also sent her young maidens out to go and to compel people to come forward, to come in. And it's, it's like this personal call. It's not, just, it's not just this loud arrogant that everyone's going to go through this wide, broad gate, but it's a narrow gate where, where like her, her people are saying, come, come in and have life. Come in and, and know wisdom. And here's what she says from the high places again. She invites the same people as Lady Folly. She says, hey, whoever's simple... Let him turn in here, this is verse 4. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. She invites the simple. She invites the ones who lack understanding to eat and drink of her prepared feast. And in so doing, forsaking foolishness. And so doing, choosing to live and move in the way of understanding. There's a choice that's being made here. Lady Folly or Lady Wisdom. Both are calling to the same people. One leads to death. One leads to life. One leads to satisfaction. The other to entire dissatisfaction and longing for something more that will never come. And while she invites the simple and those who lack understanding, she has little interest in calling those who scoff. The scoffer, in verses 7 through 9, they, they won't listen and only produces harm to the one trying to correct them. These are those that Scripture speaks of when it says in Psalm 14, verses 1 through 4, 
the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They've all turned aside. Together they've become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge? All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord. These are those who scoff, who say, there is no God. Lady Wisdom might be calling, but I don't care because I want that. I want what Lady Folly has to offer. I think perhaps it's kind of similar to when Jesus said something along the lines of, I have come to save those who are in need of a doctor, those who are sick, not those who think they're okay that kind of line. But the simple and those who lack understanding, who prove to be wise, are the ones who will learn from the correction. They're the ones who humble themselves and listen and receive and follow her. And they know real life because her meal, the one that they're gorging on, this, this wonderful meal that Lady Wisdom provides is meant to satisfy the hungriest of souls. So, so it's not an emaciation that's taking place. It's a filling up it's a filling up of real meat, of real bread, of real wine, of real sustenance, that which will carry us on and on and on into, into life and to life eternal. So she offers the deepest of wisdoms. She offers understanding to those who fear the Lord and to those who've come to know the Lord. She promises long life that days will be multiplied, the years will be added, and they will experience the blessing of God and a wisdom that truly does benefit them rather than experience the lonely curse of one's foolishness in their scoffing of wisdom. And, and this choice of following Lady Wisdom is just seemingly as clear, clearly positive, clearly life-giving as, as Lady Folly is just ridiculous. It's just so clear, isn't it? Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly, which one makes sense? Well, Lady Wisdom is the narrow gate that Jesus speaks of in Matthew that few take. He says this in Matthew 7, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. I would say that's the way of Lady Folly. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So, so there we have it, that's the, that's the choice. One choice leading to life, one choice leading to death. And the ramifications of this choice is no hyperbole. Devastation on the one side and real life on the other. No, there's no in-between. Life, death. Life, death. Look at the computer, open up your phone, go to Safari or whoever your thing is and you have a choice. Am I going to go to this website, there is death at that website. Or am I going to put the phone down, give my heart to the Lord, and walk in newness of life? That's just one example. The question is, whose invitation will you accept? Because sitting there this morning, you're not just observers, you're interacting, and you have to make a decision. You will make a decision. I'm, I'm not making you make the decision. I'm just saying you're always making that a decision. 
Will you accept the invitation of Lady Wisdom, who has prepared much and delivers on everything she promises, or will you accept the invitation of Lady Folly, who also promises much but delivers on none of it and produces death? The, the choice should be obvious, right? But even to the simple and those lacking understanding, this decision is really a no-brainer. This is the clarity that Solomon speaks of with his son. This is the clarity that the Holy Spirit is speaking of to you and I this morning as well. Now, we haven't taken much time to do this in our series, but consider Solomon for a moment. Even amid all this wisest of counsel, all the no-brainer decisions that are to be made where truly life and death are on the line, Solomon himself got swept away for much of his adult life as he entered the house of Lady, uh, Lady Folly. And it wreaked havoc and death via consequences for his life and the life of those around him. And friends, if Solomon himself can fall for the loud and seductive voice of Lady Folly, we would be mad to think that we couldn't follow in his footsteps. A little leaven ends up leavening the whole loaf. So let's just consider in closing how it is that we could not just cognitively agree that we should accept the invitation from Lady Wisdom, but truly and purposefully and continually humble ourselves, listen to and accept the invitation from Lady Wisdom. At the heart of Proverbs 9, at the heart of actually all these first nine chapters, we've seen something arise over and over and over again. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Um, Verse 7 of chapter 1, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the primary truth in all of these nine chapters, and, and, and really even of this whole book. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. So so here we come again to this often asked question, what is the fear of the Lord? Books have been written about this, volumes have been written about it, but let me try to summarize a bit by one of my favorite pastor scholars, Michael Reeves. He says this, he says, the fear of God is not a state of mind that you can guarantee with five easy steps. It's not something that can be acquired with simple self-effort. The fear of God is a matter of the heart. How easily we can mistake the reality of the fear of God for an outward and hollow show. Scripture presents the fear of God as a matter of the heart's inclinations. The one who fears the Lord then is not merely one who grudgingly attempts the outward action of keeping the Lord's commandments, not just outwardly attempts to kind of be moral or follow God's word in some way. The one who truly fears the Lord greatly delights in God's commandments, Psalm 112 Verse 1. In other words, fear runs deeper than behavior. It drives behavior. Sinful fear hates God and therefore acts sinfully. Right fear loves God and therefore has a sincere longing to be like Him. The fear of God, he goes on to say, as a biblical theme, stops us from thinking that we are made for either passionless performance or a detached knowledge of abstract truths. It shows that we are made to know God in such a way that our hearts tremble at His beauty and splendor. 
It shows us that entering the life of Christ involves a transformation of our very affections so that we begin actually to despise and not merely renounce the sins we once cherished and treasure the God we once abhorred. The fear of God is to, is to, is to take sin and, and kick it to the sidelines or kill it, not just out of obligation or like it's the right moral thing to do, or it's just the basic sense of right and wrong that's somehow inside of us, it's replaced with an absolute affection and greatness and longing for the God who made us to exist for and to long for and to find life in. It's an entire change of heart. The lady follies of this world will always be around, mocking those who seek to live wisely, fearing the Lord and treasuring the God we once hated in our fear but now cherish and love in our fear and proper understanding. So fear of the Lord, so opposite of the way that we tend to think about fear, is it's, a, it's an embracing of who God is and who we are and that I might have a relationship with Him. Shocking. And, and, if, and if we don't have that sense of fear, it means that I think we don't have a, a real great view of who God is. Which is why a right understanding of the Lord is attached in throughout Proverbs. The fear of God and a right understanding of God. A proper fear of God is the foundation and engine of the truly wise life we hunger for because it teaches us again that we exist as men and women, boys and girls, for Him, that He is our Creator. He is the glorious one. He is over all things. He is worthy of all glory and, prom and praise. And He is the one who promises life. He's the one who promises blessing to those who trust Him and destruction to those who do not follow Him or trust Him or believe in Him. He is the Holy One to whom we are all accountable. And in trusting Him and believing on Him and knowing His love for us, knowing His sacrifice for us, knowing His presence with us, knowing His empowerment of us and all His promises toward us, we don't walk in just obligatory obedience and learn how to make better choices and become more moral people, but we walk in humility. We walk in, in obedient adoration of Him, knowing that His will, His wisdom, His word is life. No matter how simple and sick we are, He came to make wise the simple, Proverbs 19, and to give the sick life. Real life, real vibrant life. Preached on that about six weeks ago, the search for real life. Fearing the Lord is not primarily about obedience. Fearing the Lord is primarily about surrendering ourselves as the created to the will of our loving, merciful, heavenly Father, hearing His word, believing His word, trusting His word, and acting upon His word. To, 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 know, that, to know that our Father is loving there's so many people that are, that are walking in obligatory obedience because they feel that the, the whip is coming out if they don't. Which goes back to another sermon in Proverbs about the Lord's discipline. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a whipping. It's a, it's a loving Father that's, that's calling us to trust Him. He loves us. Believe on Him. In, in Him, there is no hidden bread. In Him, there is no stolen water. 
But in him there is bread and wine that utterly satisfies. Jesus says this in John 6. He says, Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, Well, what, was, what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? See, they went right to obedience. Jesus said, Hey, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, well, then what signs do you do that we might see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father, my loving father, gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and he gives life to the world. And they said to him, rightly, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let me just go one step further and then we'll finish up. I want to take note that the fact that the banquet the Lady Wisdom invites us to in our text sounds very familiar to a banquet that we've become very familiar with ourselves. Servants are sent out to invite everyone to come and eat of this bread and drink of this wine, and we should not move on without seeing the obvious amazing similarities between the meal the Lady Wisdom offers and the meal that Jesus offers. We've stated this on numerous occasions through our study of these first chapters of Proverbs, but let me, let me state one more time. Jesus is wisdom personified. The, the good news of joy, the good news of great joy, the good news of, of wisdom in Jesus, he prepares a place for us at his table. He lived a perfect life and sacrificed himself on the cross to provide himself as the bread of life, not some other bread, himself. He invites all of us who are hungry to come to him, all who are weary to come to him, all who are thirsty to drink of him to eat his bread, to take up his yoke, to learn from him and in him to find true knowledge, true wisdom in the fear of the Lord and the experience of life and rest and hope and peace. And here we come again to a choice between wisdom and folly. It's really a decision between repenting of your foolishness and turning to or wisely entrusting your life to Jesus, believing that he is the one who alone can forgive you of your sins. He is the one alone who can give you real life. He is the one alone who can give you real satisfaction. He is the one alone who can guarantee the wonders and glories of eternal life in his presence, both now and forevermore. Or, choosing the penalty of your sins. And certainly enjoying the snacks that this world offers, but in the end, taking a bite of the poison apple and choosing death. It's a simple decision. It's a no-brainer, a no really, but so many choose the way of folly, the way of rejection of Jesus, and in so doing, choosing to walk into the rundown house of Lady Folly where there's only the stench of the dead and the promise of eternal hell. <clears throat> Friend, that, that certainly does not have to be you. 
this morning. The Lord Jesus is calling you right now, this morning, to place your trust in him today. It's, it's a choice being laid out to you right now, right in this moment. You will never, ever, ever be able to say, I never knew. Today, Jesus is calling you to come to him, to believe on him, to trust on him to agree with God that you've sinned against him and, and to know that the wages of your sin against him is death, to turn from your sin and ask God to forgive you of your sins against him for only he can forgive sins. Your friend can't forgive sins. Your spouse can't forgive sins. Your neighbor can't forgive sins. The government certainly, certainly can't forgive sins. God alone forgives sins. And then to place your trust in Jesus who took your sins to the cross and paid the price of death for your sins on that cross. That if you believe, you would be forgiven and given eternal life. So Jesus said himself, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life and whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. For all who did receive him, John says in chapter 1, all who did receive him, to all who did call upon the name of the Lord and believe on his name, uh, they've been given the right to become children of God. The choice is yours. Wait, what's it going to be? Wisdom or folly? Life or death? Christ or whatever else you're placing your hope in? And for those here who have chosen to already deny yourself and follow Jesus, you have a choice facing you as well this morning. I, I know how easy it is to say that you believe in Jesus. I know how easy it is to say that you trust in him for forgiveness of your sins and, and, to, and to praise him on Sundays and to praise him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, hopefully in the morning and afternoon and evening and to walk and talk to you. I know how easy it is to still somehow frequent Lady Folly's house. Consider the words of Paul in Galatians 6. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. <clears throat> but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Speaking to Christians here, because he says this, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. We will reap if we don't give up. We, he's not speaking about the foolish one. He's speaking about the wise one, the one who trusts in Christ. If we do not give up, we will reap. What are we going to reap? Life. Life eternal. Life filled with joy, both now and forevermore. I, I pray that you choose wisely. You don't give up. Place your hope in Christ Jesus. Look to the gospel of grace. When you do, there's freedom and joy and forgiveness now and the guarantee of eternal life in the presence of the one for whom you were made to enjoy forever. Jesus invites you, friend, to come and eat of him. He invites you to come and drink of him. For apart from him, you can do nothing. That truly, we can do nothing. Apart from him, there is only hopelessness, but in him is life. So will you come? Will you come? He's inviting you to find 
life and meaning in him, to, to close your ears to Lady Folly and open your ears to Lady Wisdom, in whom is real life, real truth, real life that you really do long for, right? We do. The choice, though, is, is yours. Sits right there. What, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Where are you gonna go? Who is the one who has the words of life? Now oh, may you go to Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone and eat of him, drink of him, and have life now and forever. Amen.